This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. From Flint to Philadelphia, from Hollywell to Hollywood. Rob Ryan Red is a brand new Wrexham AFC fans podcast by Nathan Salt and Richard Fay. Now, maybe you're well-versed in Wrexham history, or maybe you're new here, so here's a few things to jog your memory. Here is Vose. Great dribble by Don Vose. And still, Vose, he gets past another. Oh, what a goal! Don Vose, one of the goals of the season. He has toyed with the defence there. And that is remarkable. The ball boys getting involved. Conor Jennings, the captain, Wrexham's top goal scorer. 13 for the season. 14! Wrexham lead! It's Wrexham 1! Chester now! It's McDonough for Wrexham! Still Jerry McDonough! It's not coming in! McDonough around the keeper! Wrexham! Wrexham! to the lead, ladies! If yesterday was a Black Friday, but today is a Red Saturday! Hello and welcome to Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham AFC podcast. I'm Rich Fay. I'm joined once again by Nathan Salt. It's been a busy old week following Wrexham. First we had the end of the season, then the end of Dean Keats's reign. Now all attention turns to the summer. Who will we get in? And more importantly, who will be our next manager? And Nathan and I have been working hard behind the scenes to try and find out ourselves who that might be. We've done some digging and today we can bring you two exclusive bits of news. First is Casey Stoney's stance on possibly taking the vacancy and there's also a new name in the frame as well. So before we get into that, please do leave a like and subscribe if you're new around here. Nath, welcome to today's podcast. We've got news on Stoney and a new mystery man as well. We do, we do. We have news on both of those and a lot of calls and a lot of discussions behind the scenes. And and what we can say is we've both learned that Casey Stoney will not be taking the role. Not that she's been offered it, but it's apparently not being explored for her career path right now. You know, a month on from from quitting her role at Man United, we know she's had interest from the states to take over various roles there. And obviously, the women's game there is huge. And also, there's obviously the backlash that she pointed out last night or Tuesday night, whenever it was about you know, abuse just for being in the bookies in the bookies odds for, for the Wrexham role and she's been abused and she said, you know, anyone who's, you know, they should be ashamed for their mother, their sister, 
the girlfriend, the, all the kind of female role models that the people that are abusing her, she she deplored that. And, and I just want to say it's absolutely disgusting anyone who has sent her abuse. I hadn't actually, fortunately, I hadn't seen anything directly on my feed, but anything that was sent to her, there's no place in the fan base for that. And the club rightly condemned it. It's just a shame that the club did feel like they had to put out a statement to denounce abuse towards a potential candidate. I mean, why we have such a Neanderthal sort of approach and whether it you know, is more Twitter than a lot of the fan base that maybe aren't active on there, I don't know. But but that was a real sort of stain on a week of a lot of different news comings and goings. And, and the other news is the name Mark Hudson has been put to me, former Cardiff City captain. I know you've got more details on his coaching experience, Rich. It's It's not much, but yeah, Mark Hudson has been put forward for the role and from what I gather is very interested in in taking on the role from from Dean. Yes, yeah, it's like you said, I echo everything you had to say about Casey Stoney as well and ultimately, you know, that is a small minority of Wrexham fans and I wouldn't really even want to use the the term fans because they're not, they're just Neanderthals, as you say, they're they're pond life. I saw someone describe them on Twitter as, you know, it's just, there's no place for it. It's such a backwards opinion. It's just a horrible and depressing reality check that those just disgusting views are still being you know posted online as well it's just it's just inconceivable and you know I particularly you know we're both privileged white males we don't understand for a moment really of of the struggles anyone else has to go through but I want and every Wrexham fan wants the next manager to be the person who's best for the job it doesn't matter what background they come from it doesn't matter who they are as long as they are the right person to match our lofty ambitions as a club and have the right ethos and share the same core beliefs of, of Wrexham as, as a town, not just as a football club, then that's who I want to, to take over. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're male or female or if you're transgender, if you're non-binary. It doesn't matter. As long as you are the best person for the managerial job, that's all that matters. That's all that should matter. So, yeah, that, that's all mm. we have to say. But, you know, Casey Stoney... Yeah, I'm for I'm for Casey Stone as well, Rich. I know you are. I I believe you are as well. You know, I would have been very excited by that appointment, and she's very ambitious. And from what I've heard, people at Man United, you know, they thought very highly of her. And you cover that patch, and, and will know far more than I do. But she was very highly thought of. They didn't want her to leave. You know, she became frustrated there with with the golfing facilities. I'm led to believe in in between, you know, the men's and women's team. So. There was obviously frustration there. She wants good level of control over a project. You would think that she would have it here to build something new. Uh, and I would have been excited by that appointment. It doesn't seem like it's something she wants, but yeah, you know, well, there would have been... Yeah. Like we said, she she basically constructed and founded Manchester United Women from scratch. They'd been a club before, but in 2018, you know, she, she took charge of the club for the first time. She got them promoted for the first time of asking... The season was then curtailed, and th- this season she she came back and she guided United Women to fourth in the first ever WSL season. That's behind the the traditional big three of of Man City, Chelsea, and Arsenal. So to do that is absolutely unbelievable. She recruited the team from scratch. Yeah, like Nave said, she left because she wasn't happy with the facilities that were being offered to her uh, at Manchester United. They were being forced to to train at the Cliff rather than Carrington Training Complex. Their schedules had to sort of fit in around the male teams and the, the youth teams. So, yeah, it was very 
badly ran behind the, behind the scenes at Manchester United, but it's a credit to her that she still managed to make such a competitive team and she's so highly regarded in football. I'm not saying women's football, I'm saying football because it's still the same sport at the end of the day. It doesn't make a difference who's playing it. And yeah, she's incredible at the job she does. But like we said, it sounds like at the moment she's having some time out from football because it's been such an intense two years, but she's got the opportunity maybe to go stateside. I hear there's a new, I think, sort of startup in San Diego where they're quite keen on her mm. to, to play a key role. So at the moment, Casey Stoney is not in the the, the running for, for the Wrexham job. I have no doubts about her suitability and being actually able to accomplish the, the goal set to her. But yeah, it's just one of those names which has been put into the betting gods by someone who doesn't really know much about non-league football or particularly about the Wrexham vacancy at the moment. As soon as one person bets, the odds are naturally going to go down because the betting companies don't want to lose out on money. So that's how they get cut so short. And by the time a few people have taken a punt on it, she gets down to I think it's four to one or three to one. What four, four to one, yeah, four to one. And I was I was told that they had no real idea where that where the association came from. You know, you know, the, a lot of people in her camp were very confused about how it yeah. came about. Yeah, but the exact quote was not entirely sure where this emanated from. But it's interesting to note she's now third favourite. But they had no real idea themselves. And I think even her end, I think some of them didn't real, really realise she was even linked with the job. And it's just a peculiar set of circumstances we're in. But Mark Hudson, we hear that is sort of, he's certainly in the running and is, is keen to put his name in the hat. Obviously, that then opens up the question of what type of manager Wrexham wants to go for next. He's very much sort of in that Sam Ricketts role of someone who isn't proven, but since leaving his role as Hudds, you know, at Huddersfield, sorry, he was the first team coach and interim manager for two games in between two different regimes. So he has got some experience, maybe not the experience that Wrexham fans want to see in the non-league environment next season, but he's been working on his pro licence. He's very keen to, to get into management and, you know, I was told by someone close to close to him, you know, that he's got a philosophy which, you know, they believe is attractive in modern football. They say he's a very strong leader. I guess maybe he's like Cardiff's own sort of Sean Pearson. And, you know, he, he can come in and demand that authority because he's done it at such a high level. But then again, Nate, you, you question, would the dressing room necessarily take to someone who is inexperienced and in their first managerial role? It's really tricky to know, isn't it? I mean, I think he would be one of those type of appointments where the jury would firmly be out. You know, no one would have any sort of opinion of him. There's, there's very little to base him on. I mean, you can't base him on those two games in with Huddersfield as an interim coach. That'd be ridiculous. So it, it would be, it would be like appointing a, a Pearson, but I suppose that he has been getting his coaching badges a little bit longer. Is firmly done with playing, and it would be the kind of the Sam Ricketts mold and. When you look back, there's obviously a lot of revisionist history with Sam Ricketts, Sam, Sammy the Snake. Now that he wouldn't be welcomed back by majority of supporters, I believe at Wrexham. And when when I look back and I, and I try and keep some sort of objectivity with it, I look back and I think I did enjoy the beginning of that spell. You know, I went to a lot of matches home and away. Um, I, I was living in London at the time, and I got to go to a lot of matches then. And it was enjoyable football, you know. I, li- I liked the team we had there. And as much as it ended sourly, you could tell that Ricketts was very ambitious and, and hungry to do well. And obviously he, he got drunk on the ambition and, and rushed his way to Shrewsbury and and that, that didn't work out. And Shrewsbury's fans, are, you know, they've 
wash their hands with him and have no have no sort of real opinion on him now and definitely nothing positive at least from what I gather so there would be a risk that if Hudson came in and, and he flew out and we flew out the blocks and we did really well and his stock rose you know what's to say that he doesn't get sort of scouted out by a league one team well yeah exactly what if Huddersfield and... or Cardiff had a manager yeah exactly change, then his loyalty to them is greater than his loyalty to Wrexham even though we will have put faith in him by giving him his first chance I mean I just yeah I have worries of of Sam Ricketts mark two really with that one but it's interesting to know that he is one of the the names in the frame now if we look at the other ones now I'm just looking at those betting gods as he said Casey Stoney still at four to one third favorite but as we understand that is not going to happen whatsoever Michael Flynn number one two to one Nigel Clough three to one do you think Nigel Clough is just maybe, I'm not going to say a lazy assumption, but just putting hmm. two and two together, giving Fleur's own connections with Burton. Uh, I mean, I haven't had any conversations to, to firm up Nigel Clough, but it does strike me as the kind of Fleur has, has come from Burton and, and it's a very easy comparison to make, especially if you're quickly compiling odds. You know, I've seen nothing concrete to link to link Clough to, to the position. I, I have absolutely no knowledge on that, but it does seem a somewhat kind of obvious move just because of Fleur coming in. Uh, Mike Flynn, I think he'd be very popular. I think I think he, you know what he's done with Newport even even though we 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 don't have a even I wouldn't say a friendly rivalry. I mean we we don't really get on with Newport since since their their behavior after the after the playoff final where where they were very uh, ungracious and undignified, let's just say in that celebration. I think he would be well received and has got a good level of experience. But for me, he's just using his contract as a bargaining tool. You know, he's clearly unhappy with the transfer budget available to him and the control he's got over recruitment. And so I think he's just posturing by saying that he's unhappy and that suddenly swelled the betting and he he shot to uh, the favourite for the role. So it's it's a real interesting one. I, I read a piece in the Daily Post today that said uh, about Dean just not being sexy enough for for the role. And it, it did make me think, you know, kind of with the documentary and the glitz and glamour of the owners, even though they're, you know, Rob is gives off the one of the people type vibe, they're still members of Hollywood and, and they'll like to put on a show on and off the pitch. And I just wondered whether Dean, you know, kind of a working class, your typical sort of lower league manager, just wasn't really, wasn't really firing anybody up, not necessarily players, but just those in, in power. And whether they will go for more of a headline approach, will they go? Will they try and get someone like a Chris Coleman, or or will they go? Let's just go and get experience and go for someone like a John Askey. You know, I think that those are the kind of two ends of the spectrum for me. Do you just get someone quite quiet and who will get on with a job? Do you go for someone young, a new manager who will come with loads of ideas, but you risk them? You know, getting like I say, getting drunk on their ambition. Or, or do you just promote from within? We've done sort of every type of manager, you know. We've done Kevin Wilkin impressed in National League North. We promoted him from Nuneaton. We promoted Morel after Saunders left just from the squad and ended up with 98 points. We've gone for what we thought was a sure bet with Gary Mills. You know, Brian Hughes hadn't had much experience. Sam Ricketts hadn't had almost any experience. Graham Barrow had been in the game you know, years and years and, and he didn't want it and it didn't work out. So there hasn't really been an approach we haven't tried. You know, we've tried everything. It hasn't worked. But, you know, the closer we came was, was with Morel and that was 
that'd be the equivalent now of just promoting a, a Sean Pearson or or promoting someone like you know I know we'll get onto it, it the release list but promoting someone like a Jay Harris that type of thing so if that happened now you'd think that would be it wouldn't be that well received so you know it's amazing how things can change and how attitudes can change but based on what I saw in the, in a recent GQ interview with Rob McElhenney he's very much in a win now mode and I would be amazed if it wasn't as big a splash on the manager front as, as it is with some players this summer. Yeah, exactly. I think particularly when you're trying to turn Wrexham into a global force, which is, you know, what what Rob's been saying throughout, you know, he obviously wants to make the team better just by making the facilities better and by making the whole ethos of the club change into a winning mentality. And he wants it to be a true underdog story where we do rise and rise and rise and become maybe not a global force, but certainly a global brand. People know us from all over the world, which, you know, we have solid foundations in that because of the hard work that's been going on even before the Hollywood investment. But to make Wrexham a sexy, marketable team in Hollywood and to convince some of his Hollywood friends, maybe to come over and catch a game. Obviously, we've seen David Beckham with with the shirt as well. And, you know, he wants to try and cash in on this global appeal with himself and Ryan Reynolds involved. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the product's got to be good. You can dress it up and put glitz and glamour in it, have slick marketing campaigns, but the football's crap. No one's going to be turning up to game after game after game to watch it. So they've got to really make this decision crucial. And that, for me, yeah, it's an interesting one. The process is going to continue for a while. As we understand, there's no sort of news of an imminent arrival when we're recording this on the 2nd of June. It's going to be, you know, still candidates coming forward now and, and making their case. And then you expect it to move on to the next stage where it's whittling that, that list down, then getting people in to make their presentations. It'll be a thorough process. It won't be rushed whatsoever, but... It was very much, as soon as that final whistle blew at Dagenham, the owners, the, the, the people in charge, the advisors, and we'll get onto it, a, a new advisor who's arrived as well very shortly, you know, they saw it as the hard work starts now. It was almost a free hit last season. Now this is the real challenge because this is the first transfer window and the first period really of play where we go into this as a fresh start, as our new club. The Wrexham of old, you know, typical Wrexham, typical Wrexham who go into a must-win game setting up to not lose. You know, that's done now. This is the new era and it's going to be crucial to see how that all kicks off. And, you know, the next step after getting the manager will be getting a squad together. And fittingly enough, today the retained list was released as well. Nath, a bit of confusion really from our end, particularly about who actually decided who should stay and who should go, though. Yeah, it's amazing, really. I mean, Dean said, didn't he, after his, his interview at Dagenham, that players were in tears, you know, trying to trying to work out their future. And I think as well, while that was definitely a shot at the owners, the owners did make clear when they introduced the bonus scheme that the bonus scheme was introduced on the proviso that players weren't going to be offered deals until the end of the season. And today was that day. And and we found out the retain list and who's been released and who's been offered contracts and whatnot. The question we had was, who's made that decision? Because at the minute, I, I put out a, a graphic on Twitter, at Rob Ryan Red is our podcast account and I said the gang runs Wrexham and in it you had Ryan and Rob you had Fleur the new CEO she started on Tuesday 1st of June you had Sean Harvey who's been working very closely with the owners sort of since they he helped I think he helped with the purchasing of the club and, and he's been involved ever since he didn't sort of step away as many predicted you obviously got Humphrey as the owner's man on the ground over here and he's a director so you've got him in there as well you've had peter moore 
advising and and now we find out that new you know former fa technical director les reed also of southampton where he was very highly thought of he's also now an advisor to the board so i i text a friend of mine and said too many cooks you know spoils the broth and i don't know how much broth we've got to go round but it's Andy what cook. we did have <laughs> unless it, oh, we don't yeah we don't need that well that's the only other cook we probably need but when you look at it and you go retain this has been released who's made that decision you know, Fleur started on Tuesday. Has she ran? Has she, you know, has she been studying in her spare time? I, I'm sure she was fully committed to Burton, and I'd be amazed if she's really tracked. You know, every player in the squad has. Has Harvey made the decision? Has Les Reed, you know, covertly been following the players and and who should stay, who should go? Is it down to did Dean and Carl Darlington, Andy Davis, who've departed? Have, did they give their opinion on on who should stay and who should go? Did they pass on that to the owners? It. A lot of ambiguity, Rich, and and it doesn't seem like clarity is forthcoming. I put in a call recently and and was told that Sean Harvey was simply an advisor to the board, but I I struggle to believe that's true. You know, from what I gather, that he he's very heavily involved, and in, you know, there's been a lot of talk from former board members about you know that he is sort of head of the business operation, and the a lot of the advisors will help Fleur and. Fleur will report to Humphrey, who will report to Sean, and it's really sort of up in the air and not clear. But the retain list, there was, I mean, I'll leave it to you to run through, but lots and lots to unpack. And unpack we will. Yeah, interesting, like Nave said there about Sean Harvey, and obviously we'll try to bring some clarity on that, but it is still quite muddy water as to who's exactly doing what. I know Mark Crichton tweeted, I believe, yesterday himself, just saying, who who is running the show and whose responsibilities are what? And, you know, considering the club was so clear about the bonus scheme, which they really didn't have to be, it may be interesting that there's not so much clarity about the way that, that the CEOs and the advisors, etc., are all going to be working, what their remits are. But, yeah, we'll wait and see. And if we hear anything, we will be sure to let you know. But as Nave said, the retained list was released this morning. I have to take a big breath in now because it is going to be quite quite a lot of work to get through. So if we start off with the players who are contracted for the next season, Dior Angus, Ryan Austin, Jake Bickerstaff, Max Clayworth, Jordan Davis and Jordan Ponticelli. The club will be exercising the option to keep Tyler French and Dan Jarvis for, a ne- for another year. So they both had those optional triggers in their contract which have been exercised. The club will be offering new contracts to Christian Dibble, Cameron Green, Reese Hall-Johnson, Rob Layton, Sean Pearson, Jamie Record, Devontae Redmond and Luke Young, while Mark Carrington, Bobby Grant, Jay Harris, James Horsfield, Fiacra Kelleher, Paul Rutherford, Chris Sang and Theo Vassell have all been released. A couple of interesting things there, Nate, before we get into it. I mean, the standout on the players offered a new contract is Devontae Redmond, clearly a player. We've only seen him play twice in the league for Wrexham this season. He played 42 minutes. He's been offered a new deal. While Fiatra Kelleher, a player I nominated as a potential for player of the season, okay, he's probably about third or fourth, he's been released. Fear of Vassell, who, you know, his pace certainly added an extra element to us at the back. And then the sad news that Mark Carrington has left the club after eight years as well. What do you make of the decisions as a whole? I know there is a lot to get into there. Oh, there's tons, isn't there? Um, you know, I'll, I'll tackle those in the order that you do chill them at me. I look at it and go, Devontae Redmond. It was kind of a running joke on the pod that we were calling for him to get minutes. But I'm absolutely staggered that, that he's been offered a new deal. And what that suggests to me is that 
he's been I mean, he's been given some assurances, or especially if he takes the deal, he will be given some assurances that no matter the manager, he will play a key role going forward. Now, is that someone like Les Reed who who's come in? Is is he you know, and he's been tasked with shaping the football sort of identity. That's what was the the wording or the the development side of it. So has he been tasked with, you know, putting together a philosophy and, and Devontae Redmond is at the heart of that? Will we go more technical based tick attacker and really try and form a midfield this season? You know, we've got rid of the likes of James Horsfield, who was very disappointed on Twitter with his parting statement and real shame for him to bow out with forty five poultry minutes at Dagenham where he was really ineffective and was just far too cold having not played since February and, you know, in a must-win game like that, he just was kind of hung out to dry, I think. Theo Vassell and, and Fiacro Kelleher, a lot of people are surprised with Fiacro Kelleher. I'm not sure whether that was a case of we already know he's moving on, you know. A lot of football league scouts, you said recently when you were commentating on one of the games and, and whether Kelleher's just got interest from League One clubs and and we just know that, you know, he's we've already agreed that he's, he's off and there's no point offering him a deal so that we don't look to be publicly rejected. I'm not sure. I'm sure time will tell on that one. I'd expect him to get snapped up pretty soon. Theo Vassell, we wouldn't say is in the best sort of centre-backs in the division, but he's he's got pace and, and he bailed us out a few times. I thought he was probably the best of a bad bunch defensively at Dagenham on the final day. Could probably feel hard done by there, given we've gone for the three at the back. But again, is this a signal that you know we've offered Sean Pearson a deal, which is a no-brainer, I'm almost certain that he will sign that deal given he publicly, you know, sort of postures for one in the leader this week. Is that a sign that we're going to four at the back? I look at Elsie who's gone, Paul Rutherford. Yeah, that's a real shame for him. He's been a really good servant for the club and brought good energy. Divided the fan base, no doubt about it. And, you know, for him to bow out on on a vicious red card like that, it's just really disappointing for him. The big one the big one's Mark Carrington, isn't it? I mean Mark Carrington put out a statement, Rich, that I thought was pretty damning, actually, against against the board. It, it felt like a real parting shot. You know, there was a lot of outpouring of emotion. I put up on the on the Twitter account about the goal at Stoke and said, you know, thanks for all the memories. You know, we'll always have Stoke kind of thing. Um, his goal in the FA Cup there, even though he didn't win that game. But, you know, his statement, which I'm sure you can you can touch on, you know, he questioned the loyalty that's been shown to him, which is interesting because he's survived many managers and, you know, there has been shown a lot of loyalty. I just think for him, he was ready to see out his career at Wrexham and, and being denied the opportunity to do that has, has really disappointed him, really, really disappointed him. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Mark Carrington, you know, one of my favourite players anyway, as a fan, because he plays like a fan. He is that sort of cliched 110% effort every single week no matter who we're playing no matter what's up for grabs no matter what position he's in you know what you're going to get and every team needs a Mark Carrington but maybe our starting lineup didn't need one as much as we've had to rely on him he came in at centre-back this season as well and steadied the ship he really was selfless a real class act you know just absolute epitomised class and like you said about that statement he said you know as he as he was confirmed to, to be released. He went to his social media and said, I've made some great memories in the eight years I've spent at the club and met some incredible incredible people along the way. I've always envisaged seeing my career out at Wrexham and staying around in some capacity for many years to come. I'm disappointed I haven't been able to 
have that opportunity. But I guess there's no truer saying than there's no loyalty in football. It's an interesting one because you've had eight years at the club. Next season, if we do recruit well, it's going to be a very minimal role which Mark Carrington would have played. I have no doubts if Dean Keats had stayed on that Mark Carrington would be given a new a new deal for at least a year. But maybe we need to move away from that sort of old boys club, managers, mates getting deal sort of vibe. I think Carrington is an exception to that because, like I said, he's so versatile, such a class act and such a good professional. But there comes a time where you can't have sentiment. You know, the, the Wrexham of old is gone. The Wrexham who went to Dagenham having to win and set up to not to lose and eventually, you know, did draw the match and miss out on the playoffs when it was in our own hands. That's the old Wrexham. We need a new identity. And perhaps it is just with a bit more glitz and glamour and people like Mark Counter might be those who pay the price for such a such a change in ethos at the club. But, you know, I have no doubts that he'll go to another Northwest based club and become a fan favourite almost immediately there as well. And I think we could rue the loss of Mark Carrington, but all that I know is he gave us all for the club. He gave us some great memories, and it's a thank you. It's it's sorry that we've not been able to give him a farewell, because I'm not even joking, he's, he's almost due a testimonial. I know it's not been a glorious period he's been at the club for, but a real good servant, a real nice man as well. And the first person I ever interviewed in journalism, it was Alti away after the match, we weren't even in the tunnel, we were just in a corridor, but I was just a very, I mean, I was going to say a very bad journalist then, but I think people say I still am. But he just gave me a lot of respect, <laughs> a lot of time, you know, as a student, just, you know, garbling my words as I am now, trying to get questions across. But yeah, a real nice man. Really friendly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a real shame, a real shame for shame, him, you know, his, fa- his family family great and they've settled in the area and, you know, he's the type of player that's going to turn up at, at Soddy Hall Moors and and we'll play 7 out of 10 every week for them. You know, that kind of move, or he ends up uh, trying to think of other teams around the north, you know, Chesterfield, if they don't go up, or Notts County, these kind of teams that we'll just be looking for someone versatile and reliable that can have a squad role. I mean, ultimately, we would say that had he had been kept on, he wasn't really probably going to play that much, really, if we want to if we want to kick on. And, it's you know, as much as I would love to see Mark Carrington take us up, it, it just didn't feel like it was going to happen. No, exactly. It feels like eight years, you know, we've had a long, we've had a good run and it's just not going to pan out. We all dream of seeing that picture of Mark Counter on the pitch at the Kairas with the trophy, being mobbed by fans on the final day, but it's just not happened yet. And we can't really have sentiment at this time because we really do have such an exciting future ahead. But interestingly enough about that retained list, as we mentioned, Nath, is the fact that because of a cell, Horsfield, Kelleher have gone. There's a, there's a gap in the spine of the team there. And you sense that whichever manager comes in, you know, there's clear there's a clear need for which positions need strengthening. The fact Dibble and Leighton could both stay suggests we don't need a new goalkeeper. Record and Green, I think Green's been an absolute gem of a find. Probably don't need a new left back. If Hall Johnson stayed, you maybe need cover at right back, someone who's better defensively, but you don't necessarily need a new right back. You definitely need at least two new centre backs. You need a defensive minded midfielder who can anchor the attacking quality of Jordan Davis and Luke Young. And then you need someone who's going to guarantee you goals up front as well. And I'm just wondering if maybe centre-back and, and striker are the, are the two positions where we really do go all out. I know you mentioned that there could be big-name additions. I know the club want to get the right balance. They don't just want to spend money willy-nilly and just hope for the best by getting players who see it as an easy paycheck. But you do sense that those got to be the two positions which, you know, no matter who comes in, they will define their first season at the club. 
Yeah, I think I think you look at you know I looked at Stockport County and and the squad they've put together and you know someone like an Alex Reed that we had and I think it was Liam Hogan got their player of the season who's obviously impressed while at Salford as well in the past. So you're looking at players like that 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 they're not really they're not really gambles. They're sort of just ready-made for this level. You know, I've seen Cheltenham go up and just got a load of players who were ready-made. We've taken far too many gambles. I mean, I, I know we said that we've invited back Goldon Mateo and, and Keanu Marsh-Brown for pre-season training. You know, they can earn themselves a deal. And we've obviously agreed that we will support Kwame Thomas to his injury and give him the chance to win a deal. But I think we really need some quality in in some in the spine position. Sure, we could have Layton and Pearson still, but we need we need a solid. We need a you know a, a partner for Pearson that is is good enough to rival the Manny Smith type that we've had in the past. You know, we can't be downgrading now when Pearson's getting older and he's as much in a win now mentality as the owners. I look at midfield. You know, someone like a Brad Walker, but he's gone and joined Port Vale, so that's dead in the water. But there's got to be players in there. I mean, Louis when I looked at uh, the knots. When I looked at the Notts County game, yeah, Louis Mott. When I looked in the Notts County game, I saw, what was his name? Jim O'Brien or someone just completely bossed the game. And we need someone like that to really boss a game and, and, and pair them with, say, a Luke Young and a Jordan Davis. And then up front, yeah, you, we joke about Malt. And I actually joked on the, on the on the pod account, the Twitter account, about um, Matthias Pogba being released by his Slovenian side, Tabor Cezana. But that I think I don't think my sarcasm really translated that well on on Twitter. So that it's was very hard to get the right tone on social media. Yeah, isn't it, when you're I, I didn't nail it. I didn't nail it. I don't think. No. But there you go. Yeah. Uh, we live and learn, season, though, isn't it? And we've got to sort silly of embrace season, that to yeah. an extent. Particularly, I mean, it's Wrexham, and for once, we're going into the summer very optimistic about what might happen. There's always sort of false dawns, and who knows what's going to happen. But I guess that's what's so exciting at this moment in time. But if you've not listened to our past podcast with Curtis Obank, he touched on it himself that. The 98-point season, obviously we didn't go up, but he just said ultimately that team was far too good for the non-league. He even thought it was even too good for League 2 if we'd added two or three new faces. And this summer, that's what we need. We just need to build a team which is too good for this league. And by default, that means we should definitely be right near the top as a consequence of it. Obviously, a lot of that depends on who we get in as our new manager. But as we said at the, the top of the podcast, Casey Stoney is not currently in the running whatsoever for the Rexman job, but Mark Hudson is. So they're the two bits of exclusive news for you today on Rob Ryan Red. As always, thank you very much for joining us for today's podcast. Please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. A review helps us out as well. And I'm sure we will be back again sooner rather than later. Nath, we I feel said... like I speak to you every two days, Rich, at the minute. We've got emergency pods coming out every every other few days. Wrexham just need to chill out for a bit now and you know, if we get a new manager, we'll be jumping back on. But we 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 want to sort of pump the brakes a bit and get some guests on, sort of re- restore some normality to Wrexham, Rich. But it's I just, just not want happening. to be outside in the sunshine. It's been <laughs> I know, sunny I know. all week, and I've hardly been here because I'm just recording podcasts nonstop, trying to chase up who the next Wrexham manager would be. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be Rexham. a wild roller coaster ahead. And I know you don't like roller coasters, Nath, but I think many people listening to the podcast might well do. Who knows what lies ahead? Who knows? But we will be with you every step of the way. Thank you very much for joining us today on Rob Brown Red, the Wrexham AFC podcast. Who knows when we'll be back, but we will be back. Hasta la vista, baby. Who knows? (laughs) Thank you, Nave. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. 
your mate's already got butt for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.